welcome once again to EWTN's Bookmark. I'm Doug Keck, your host. A special interview with author Peggy Stanton. From the White House to the White Cross and also the Order of Malta Minutes with the Catechism, both published by our friends over at Marion Press. It's a pleasure to meet you. Thank you, Doug. As, it's a uh, pleasure someone who to grew be up here. during the 60s, uh, reading this book was like uh, going down memory lane <laughs> and uh, not only interesting people, but the fact that you amazingly knew so many of them. Uh, that, that was a blessing. Mm -hmm. It really, um, the diversity of some of the people that crossed my path were, um, you know, from LBJ to Fidel Castro and Salvador Dali and so forth. Um, but, you know, when you talk about all those uh, interesting people, whether mm -hmm. it was Bobby Kennedy or, or anyone else, uh, right. they really, if, as you go through the book, the really iconic figure is Jesus Christ. Right, absolutely. He, t you know, towered, towers over everyone. And the interesting part of this is that when people say to me, well, he had so much excitement in your uh, news career mm -hmm. and so forth, I said, it re yes, I did, but it really began when I honestly began mm -hmm. to follow our Lord. And he was more exciting right. than anybody else. Why do you think it's so hard for so many of us to realize that, to think, to look towards, and we live in a world, obviously, social media, TikTok yeah. influencers, quote yeah. unquote, yeah. when the greatest influence in the world was Jesus Christ. Exactly, yeah. You know, that's such a good question. Why does it take us so long? And I think one reason I wrote the book, I thought, I, I, I just, if I can get across at some point to mm -hmm. younger people that see you don't have to wait as long as I had to wait right. to get the idea. And, and even though I was brought up in a devout Catholic home, um, you, somehow mm -hmm. the excitement, the interest, the adventure that comes with God uh, doesn't trans mm -hmm. we don't translate that enough and and when you we were talking about it with Father Mitch Packle with mm -hmm. it anybody who's who actually is following our Lord right. every day is different right, right? Mm -hmm. you don't know sometimes from hour you turn your life over to him you don't know from right. hour to hour where he's going to lead you which is also why some people are afraid to turn them over because people, especially today, have a trust problem, right? Exactly. Right. They, exactly. They don't, I think part of it, Doug, is that they don't realize or don't believe, and the, the word is, key word is trust, that God does have their best interest right. at heart. He isn't going to do something to you that's mm -hmm. mean to be mean. If he allows something to happen that's suffering, it's because it's going to be ultimately right. great for you, right? Right, and several times during the book, when we'll touch on a couple of them, you demonstrate that with situations where initially you were upset or disappointed, but the, uh, actually you ended up in a better place mm -hmm. in some ways because you had to go through right. that. In the beginning of the preface, you talk about this being a book of conversion, basically. Uh, you, a cultural Catholic, as you alluded to, you say this is a story of a Pharisee becoming a publican. Explain. Well, in the sense that when I, I thought I was just fine. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I thought, you know, I, I went to church, I put my money in the basket, I 
it. But I, you know, I was, as I say in there, I was in the pew, but not of it. Right, that's a great line, I love that line. Yeah, in that, in that you're there, you got your place holder, so mm -hmm. to speak, and you're there, and you're there when you should be there, but are you there anywhere beyond that point? Are you willing to follow God? Are you willing to, um, the, the path that he would chart out for you, are you willing to walk it? Not really, no, or you're not even paying attention. You've, you've got your own agenda and your own right. thoughts, the way you wanna do things, and you don't even bother to consult God. Right. What would you like me to do? That's right. Well, so I think it's because we're afraid he might tell us. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> you say storytelling is so deeply embedded in my DNA that I became a compulsive journal keeper when I traveled with my late husband, Congressman Bill Stanton. So not only were you a reporter, you were married to a congressman. You say the White House experiences that are listed in this book come from the scripts they had written for broadcast over those years when you were covering the White House. And you also talk about, kind of alluding to the other part about the public, and about the stubborn resistance of the clay. What do you mean the stubborn resistance of the clay? I mean, I said it, it is not a, a, um, a diminishing of the sculptor being our Lord. It's right. the stubborn resistance of me uh, not, you know, close but not too mm -hmm. close sort of thing. Don't right. chisel too much. Well, one example was um, when I had started a, a business called Creative Solutions. And now it was after you left left the I news business, yeah, sort of, I didn't, right? Yeah, I, well, I thought you You're know, staging events in Washington, kind yeah, of a thing. Yeah, right, special events. Right. And it was such easy money. I mean, it really. I mean, a hotel uh, owner would send you thousands of dollars just for referring your uh, people that you, clients you had mm. to stay at that hotel, I mean. Right. And um, I remember walking into church and I, not like I'm hearing your voice, but I was standing there right. alone and I, uh, this message was so clear. I did not put you on this right. earth to make money. And I thought, where, where, well, where's that, that coming, coming from? from? Right, right. And um, and I instead of say, kneeling down and saying, "Okay, Lord, what did you put me?" I just walked out. Right. I, I as you said, mm, I didn't right. want to well, hear I'm it. I'm not right. sure I want to go down that road right <laughs> yeah, now. Right. Now, are you still consider yourself nosy? Mm-hmm. I'm afraid so. <laughs> okay. What about I'm, being a cartoonist? Well, I started that when I was a kid, mm -hmm. you know, um, and my father was wonder. He was he would put these little cartoons on our on our doors, our bedroom doors, mm -hmm. about us. So I must have inherited from him, and I had a um, a cartoon figure. Her mm -hmm. name was Linda Lake, and I think she was a movie star. I'm not quite and blonde hair and which I didn't have, and mm. long eyelashes, and all that sort of thing. Uh, but then I finally, later on in life, took it, decided I would take the, the art very seriously. And it was working well, mm -hmm. uh, and I had had some exhibits. And, uh, but then when I went to Medjugorje, mm -hmm. I started painting nothing right. but religious things. Right, That's, and some beautiful pictures that you painted that are actually featured in the book. I thought it was interesting too because of the fact that with your father, um, 
he uh, he left his regular business because he wanted to teach and and how your mom was willing to say if that's what you want that's what I'll do and I was thinking in terms of you when you had to make that decision yourself to say I'm gonna walk away from kind of these worldly affairs and focus on something else that I love mm-hmm mm-hmm uh, interestingly my grandson who's in, now in Paris, uh, emailed me recently and said he had just finished the book. And he, mm -hmm. the takeaway, one big takeaway to him was that follow your passion, not mm -hmm. the money. Right. And I did get that from my father because I could see the joy that he had. You know, he was making, he was very successful in advertising. Mm -hmm. You know how much money you can make in We all saw Mad Men when it used to be on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, right. And, and, but he really, and here he was with four children, mm -hmm. four small children. He was married to a woman who'd grown up in a fairly wealthy background. And to turn to her and say, you know, I'd like to do this, but if I do do it, uh, it means we're going to cut our right. income in half. And she said to him, if that's what you really right. want to do, do it. And you know, interestingly, Doug, I, I never heard the story from my mother, and I never heard it from my father. You know, when I heard it, I, we heard it, uh, my brothers and I heard it, uh, when my father was given the uh, silver medal for outstanding man of the year. Uh -oh. From the podium, someone told that story. I don't know how they got it, but right. they did. Right, to see how important she was Mm -hmm. in his career and his success. Right. You also have a very interesting family, obviously very successful. You've got one brother who ended up in the CIA, another one who's a professional golfer. But maybe the most important one person in your life was your sister Marianne. Mm -hmm. Why? Well, because uh, she uh, taught me everything I ever would know about mm -hmm. compassion and sacrifice. She was... Uh, meant to be <clears throat> normal, but in the birth process, the cord got caught around her neck, stopped the oxygen to her brain. And so she was both brain damaged and autistic, but she, mm -hmm. um, she was wonderful in the sense that she, we had to take care of her. Mm -hmm. And she was very beautiful when she was young. Mm -hmm. um, and then I took her to Lourdes and she, um, made her first communion in Lourdes. Cardinal Dolan, right. or, or not Cardinal Dolan, Cardinal Egan, okay. who was then Bishop Egan. Said yeah, because Cardinal be, Dolan wrote the intro or the preface, right? Yes, so, he right, kindly To did. your other book on yeah. the Order of Malta. Right, right. We're going to talk about. It's interesting, too, because uh, carpe diem is something that, that, that was important to your life. You decided that you wanted to get into news. You talk about, and this was a flashback for me, Nancy Dickerson, mm -hmm. uh, who was like the only f woman reporter that anybody can remember, certainly in the Kennedy years was right, the first right, time, right? right. Well, you know, there was Pauline Fredericks. I can remember growing, uh, she was at the UN, and I was I remember in the high, name, right? Yeah, right, high yeah. school yeah. and college, and she was excellent. Right. Yeah, you know, uh, but uh, Nancy Dickerson was because at that point I did not know I was in college, mm -hmm. and I I knew I wanted uh, writing. I knew I wanted people. I wanted adventure, uh, and I wanted uh, write as I right. say journalism and so forth. So I knew the, all the elements, but mm -hmm. I didn't know what encompassed that. Right. And then suddenly, just 
watching her you reporting got from the field, and I said, that's it, that's exactly that's what, what I'm doing. So you were a girl Friday at one time, so like Roz Russell or something <laughs> like that, but... Uh, <laughs> Well, you, that's how you got into television. Right? That's how right. you know. I was offered two jobs. One was at WTMJ, and it would have been you kind of like a potted plant waiting for. Wasn't that Mary Richards' station or something? Like that? <laughs> yeah, to waiting for <laughs> waiting for somebody to die so I could right. take their seat. And, and the other was just to to do not, write scripts, uh, bring coffee, mm. do all this sort of thing, and. Um, I took the lower job because it meant I was closer to the news business. Mm -hmm. Which is what you wanted. Yeah. Uh, do you still interview bar stools? <laughs> <laughs> that was the first. That was the first uh, job, and I was I was uh, in the newsroom. All the newsmen mm -hmm. were gone uh, on other assignments, and suddenly over the walkie-talkie comes the news that there had been a murder in downtown Milwaukee and of course as you know murder is always big on, right. <laughs> especially if it's in the morning right and nobody if it bleeds was, it leads it, exactly say, exactly right? and so uh, if you so there was only as I said no newsmen they were mm. out on other assignments and there was but there was a cameraman so I said let's go and that's where the line when I came back uh, I interviewed, I'd never done interviews before, but I, so I just took everybody I could see asking questions. When I brought the, the film back, they had a good time ribbing me and saying, you, inter you interviewed everybody but the bar stools. There you go. You also interviewed people like uh, Charlton Heston and Julie Andrews. How did that come about? Well, I was, was just really lucky because 20th Century Fox wanted to, uh, uh, tell the world that they were still alive. Uh, they, 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 I think it was Cleopatra had right, cost that, them that, so much money and it was not a big success. No, they almost buried them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And right. so, but they wanted to prove to the world they were still... They were helped out by the longest day. That was the only thing was that yeah, brought them back. Was, which Zanuck did do. Well, and he Sound of Music, that, though, right, but the right. three movies that they, they... So they organized this big junket, movie junket, of press people from around the country and took us to Salzburg, Austria, mm -hmm. where they were making The Sound of Music, and Rome, mm -hmm. where they were doing The Agony and the Ecstasy, and London, where they were doing The Magnificent Men and Their Flying Machine. And of course, we were all looking forward to Rome and London. Mm -hmm. We didn't think Salzburg would be, you know, that would fall asleep in Salzburg, but it was such, it was so charming. It was, and we fell in love with Salzburg. And even more importantly, we fell in love with Julie Andrews because right. she was, she was an English actress. She was, and she was known on the stage, yeah. but not in movies. She was not a known commodity in the movies. So, and she had done, I think she almost made it parallel, Mary Poppins and Sound of Music, but Mary Poppins had not been released yet. Right. So they didn't know she'd be a big hit in that. And so we were just, you know, she was kind of a new commodity to, and I was right. a few years younger than she was. Right, you tell the story in a sense how she lost out on the, the film version of My Fair Lady, which she was a big hit on in Broadway. Right. 
but how this actually turned out to be better for her to be doing this film. Absolutely, because right. it was a real blessing for her because had she gotten that role in My Fair Lady, and that movie was a hit, but not nearly the, mm. the uh, legendary hit that Sound of Music became, she wouldn't have been able mm. to do Sound of Music. And she later admitted that was that right. was the real making of her career was fabulous. And the cute story about her though, she had just she was newly married, and she had a uh, a small child, and she brought the child with her, uh, which was mm -hmm. I thought wonderful. But um, they lined us up. We were on the set, and we were all doing interviews with her. So, well, by the time I, the little cub. <laughs> came along, I was last in line, and they uh, said um, every question had been asked of her. And I, so I leaned over and I said to her, is there anything you haven't been asked that you'd like to be asked? And she said, we could talk about my baby, mm -hmm. which was very sweet, except I was single. I didn't know anything about babies. <laughs> I did ask her about her baby, though. Well, you talked about how she, the parties would go on and they'd be singing and playing the guitar, but she'd be upstairs. Yeah, Christopher the, Plummer, I right. guess, was was quite good in the right. lobby at the piano, right, okay. <laughs> but she didn't have was. any opportunity to enjoy that. So we mentioned earlier Bill Stanton. Now, he, he was a member Who's of the House that? of Representatives <laughs> who, who you went on a date with, and it was love at first sight, of course. Uh, but actually, on your first date, one of the things that surprised you most, he had a black book, but it wasn't the kind of black book you'd expect to have. No, But no. it actually scared you away in some ways. Well, not really. Well, oh, I, now I yeah, see what you're yeah, getting at. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, it was a, here he had a, it was a missile. I right. said, what's, what's this doing here? And he said, well, I go to mass every morning. I said, you know, I couldn't believe, first of all, my father was a daily communicant, mm -hmm. but I couldn't believe that one of my dates would be a daily communicant, much less a congressman be a daily communicant. And then I thought to myself, it was such a, uh, a, a wonderful date, and he was such a wonderful mm -hmm. man, and I thought, oh, oh, he could ruin my career. Right. So I was stupid enough not to accept dates from him right. for quite a while. Right, that's interesting, because at that point in time, you were putting your career ahead of my what was going on. My career was number one, yeah. Right. And, and one of his uh, friends kept saying, why aren't you dating? Uh, him, he's such a nice guy, and you should really be going out. Now, you also took him, and I picked this out because Roosevelt Raceway uh, Trotters was on uh, in New, on Long Island, right near where I lived. Yeah. But you talk about a story. I guess is your husband had horses, or somebody had horses. My husband, right? Yeah. At Trotters, you said I had achieved my goal. I was now a network news correspondent. In fact, one of the first in the country. Shouldn't I feel euphoric, exuberant, and proud? Why was I looking in the mirror over the wash basin and asking my image? Is that all there is? to quote Peggy Lee from the famous song. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So is that what hit you? Yeah, I, I, it, I think it was because a woman in that room had come up to me and she said, I know you. Right. And I, I looked at her, I'd never seen her before, and I, I said, oh, oh I, don't, I don't think so. She said, yes, I do know you. Mm. And I, then I realized she had seen me on television. And then it, so uh, after she walked away, I, that's when I looked in the mirror and I said, well, okay, now you're, now you're, and it gave me a realization mm -hmm. of what fame was gonna be like. 
you you wouldn't be able to go anywhere right. that people were going to be recognizing you. Um, and and that at one time seemed appealing, and, and that's when I looked in the right. mirror and is this all there is? Is right. this? It was so ephemeral. Right. Uh, it's so such a passing joy. Right. What's well, interesting too, because we, we get into kind of Medjugorje and the and the uh, and that importance, as they say in the beginning of the book, we're not. Uh, adjudicating this, the church hasn't quite laid out exactly right, right. what the, uh, its official position is, but it did have a major impact on your life, and it started in some ways with Loretta Young? Yeah, Loretta Young, I, I remember reading an article, she had been there a couple of times, and, and she was shocking everybody. She was fasting during the week, and she was, you know, uh, talking about the impact of uh, Medjugorje on her life, and as you say, the church, uh, I remember I didn't want to go the first time because uh, because I was, you know, I had never stepped out ahead of the church. Uh, and I thought, well, what if they, what if these apparitions aren't real? Mm-hmm. And, a, and a archbishop said to me, ah, but we are looking, and an apostolic, we are looking at this. Right. And he said, I remember him saying, the finger of God is there. Mm-hmm. And then he, um, uh, and another priest said, you know, we look to you. I said, what do you mean you look to us? He said, we look to see the effect on, on pilgrim. people. Right. Yeah. How, how it ha- has impacted. And that's what convinced. And it has changed so many people's oh lives. Oh, my gosh. Amazingly so many. Yeah, so much. Uh, the f- Finally, I did the first film sort of my own little mm-hmm. documentary. It was called The Fruits of Medjugorje. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, where I just interviewed. In fact, I took a camera on my back. Uh, a priest suggested this. I had always mm-hmm. been in front of the camera. I'd never had one been in back of it. He said, why don't you go and you just interview people mm-hmm. and ask them why, what the effect is. Why are they there? Right. And so I walked up Mount Krisovec with this big camera. In those days, you didn't have a nice right, little... Right, yeah, absolutely, no. And yeah. I, it was amazing. Right. People would tell me things. I was, who was a strange lady coming up mm-hmm. with a camera? But they would just pour out their hearts right. of why they came and the effect it had on them, and even priests. Right. It was amazing, and that, that's what convinced me. Right, and it's just it's just chock full of stories that are still in there. Even uh, Mother Teresa, your, uh, John Paul II was important to you. You talk about him, Divine Mercy, how that had an impact on you as well. And that is from the White House to the White Cross. In the last couple of minutes, I just wanted to touch mm-hmm. on another book that most of us have heard listening <laughs> to, to, to EWTN radio over the years. It's the Order of Malta Minutes. Uh, with the catechism, whose idea was this to do this originally? I think it was the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. because um, I I was on the communications committee of of um, the Order of Malta on the board, and I was the catechism had just come out mm-hmm. a few years before and. They wanted to do something on the air that was inspirational, and I kept suggesting the catechism. I wasn't getting very far with it. And so I thought, I'll educate myself. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I felt as if someone was telling me to do that. So every mm-hmm. morning I'd read some pages, and then I'd write a reflection on it, or just summing up the mm-hmm. most essential uh, points on the doctrine. and. Um, 
finally, by the time the Order of Malta wanted to do something, little minute spots, mm -hmm. and asked me if I had any ideas, I said, how about the catechism? Mm -hmm. So they said, well, would you do it? Would you? And I said, well, I think I, I by that time I had about 154 of them. Mm -hmm. And um, so I think in total, and now in the book, are 254. Right. And we started getting requests from people, could we get, have the script? Really? Well, they'd okay. hear it on the air. And then, right. So we talked about it over the years, but not till Marion Press said to me, right. would you do? Right. So you actually, it was between 2011 and 2015 that you actually recorded the ones that are still airing. Right. right. Is that around the yeah. time frame? Yeah. And they're still, you're still playing. Well, they're still, uh, still the relative as that catechism goes on, right? Hopefully, is not uh, going to ever change. I like this line. Is this your line? Necessity is the mother of acceptance. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> well, they had, you know, I'd been turned down mm -hmm. on the, doing the catechism, mm -hmm. you know, um, and, and, uh, but th at this point, Malta had been doing these little, one-minute mm -hmm. stories, and a priest had been writing them, but he ran out of stories or out of patience writing them. <laughs> and, and but Malta still wanted to do something inspirational on the right, air, right. and so then they turned to me and said, "You know, what do you think we could do?" Right. And 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 the amazing thing, I think, what's really remarkable is that we timed out these. They were all between 50 and 60 seconds. Gee, how did that happen? <laughs> yeah, right. That's, that sounds like Mother Angelica, <laughs> who, who could hit her mark on time like nobody's business. <laughs> so that is the Order of Malta's Minutes with the Catechism. Of course, our, our guest is author Peggy Stanton. Her other book we spent most of our time on, From the White House to the White Cross. A very, very interesting set of books, especially the White House one. Check it out. It's available through our EWTN Religious Catalog, EWTNRC.com for all things Catholic. I'm Doug Keck. We appreciate you being here. We shall see you next time. Thanks.